At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again, another game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets on the road at Golden State tonight. We'll talk about round two with the Warriors. Hopefully it'll have as exciting of a finish as round one, but maybe a little smoother sail through the remainder of the game this time around. We'll break that one down, or I guess set that one up. And also we want to talk about the Athletics' recent completion of their young talent rankings. Yes, it involves LaMelo, and we'll give you their sense on how he stacks up against the other elite young talent in the NBA. Tell me do all this. Got my producer on the Hornets radio network, Rob Longo, back with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. Rob, welcome back. Thank you, Sam. As always, happy to be here. Let's get right into this young talent rankings. It's a really interesting series that The Athletic has done for a couple of years now. Basically, it looks at basketball similarly to how other scribes might look at baseball or hockey, where there's a true minor league system and players aren't drafted and immediately go into the majors, but they go into the farm systems and work their way up. And this is a way to keep tabs on everyone and let you know when a young budding superstar might be in the pipeline. Well, basketball is obviously very different. So the Stars of tomorrow are drafted and immediately inserted into NBA rosters and rotations. So this is a way to similarly look at a prospect list, even though they're active players. Previously, here on the Hornets Hivecast, we've talked about the other two Hornets that made the top 50. Devontae Graham in at 42, P.J. Washington at 36. Miles Bridges was just outside the top 50. But LaMelo Ball, as expected, fell in the top 10. The way it was divvied up. First off, to make this list, you have to be either a first-round pick on your rookie-scale contract or a second-rounder 
in your first deal. So these are all fairly young players. About the oldest that you would get on these types of lists would be someone like, say, a Lonzo Ball. So, you know, several years into their careers, but not yet on that big post-rookie deal. So LaMelo Ball makes the list. He is in at number eight sandwiched between Ja Morant at 9 and Trey Young at 7. The rest of the top 10, you've got De'Aaron Fox, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, and then the top three, Zion Williamson, third, Jason Tatum, two, and Luka Doncic, one. Before I go in-depth on my thoughts on it, Rob, what do you think about how LaMelo stacks up? Well, that's some pretty darn good competition and some pretty good young talent that you just rattled off. And you take a look at it, and LaMelo is the only one from the 2020 draft class that is in the top 10. And I think that has a lot to say, especially considering he was taken third overall. Now, granted, with the way that the top three picks shook out this season, you have a team like Golden State who has a pretty solid nucleus around it and wasn't really going after what would be considered the best player in a draft, but the best fit in James Wiseman. Now, granted, again, Wiseman is a very talented player. And then you have a guy like Anthony Edwards, who has started to eclipse the radar the past couple of weeks, especially after having a pretty big posterizing dunk. But again, LaMelo, we've seen it week in and week out, day in and day out. He just has been so consistent ever since he got into that starting role. And I think that has a big reason why he's in that number eight spot. And there's no shame in being ranked behind Trey Young at the seven spot and a couple of these other guys that are ranked in the top five. I mean, we saw what Donovan Mitchell can do on Monday. And then, of course, Luka Doncic was just on another planet half the time with the way that he's been able to carry the Mavericks in a sense and being only 21 years old. And I think a lot of what his development was credited to was his time playing over in Europe. But that's for another podcast for another day. But yeah. I'm really excited to see LaMelo in that eight spot. And I think if you're able to project down the line and see where he's at a couple of years from now, where some of these guys on this list, like Trey Young and like Luca are a couple of years into the league, I think he might be even higher. Well, yeah, as other players leave the list for sure, I would assume LaMelo would move up. I thought one word you used there was quite appropriate. It was carry. And I think that's what this list really comes down to. And when you're looking at the top 50 as a whole, you're looking at players who could be rotation players, could be starters, could be significant additions to elite playoff teams and hopefully one day championship teams. When you go to the top 10, you're looking at face of the franchise type players. Every single one of these guys on this list is considered the best player on the team, with the one exception being Bam Adebayo of Miami. I think you give that to Jimmy Butler. And then even Bam is probably seen as the next face of that franchise whenever it is that Jimmy Butler no longer holds that role with the Heat. So I think that's telling about LaMelo. This list is basically saying the Athletics sees what us in the Queen City have seen pretty much since LaMelo entered the starting lineup, that not only is the potential there, but yes, this player can carry this team to new heights, and he certainly needs help as any other player would, but he's been able to do the job. Everything else beyond that, I think, is nitpicking. I think Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, and quite frankly, Donovan Mitchell, to me, are the top three on this list because not only are they face of the franchise type of players for their organizations, but they've proven they can get their teams into the playoffs and win playoff games, if not playoff rounds. So I think those three should get some extra credit. I personally would have brought Bam Adebayo and Zion Williamson down a little bit for that reason. And I think LaMelo, you can pretty much you know mix up the group of 
Fox, Morant, LaMelo, Young, Gilgis Alexander and put them in any order and it all just about makes sense because while guys like De'Aaron Fox and John Morant and Trey Young are more established scorers in the league, they have not yet demonstrated that they can get their team into the playoffs. So LaMelo you know, doesn't necessarily get a down mark compared to them because they haven't done it either. But overall, I don't have a problem with where LaMelo sits on this list. I think it's quite encouraging that people from a national perspective, the 10,000-foot view, see LaMelo as the face of a franchise that can be successful and make runs in the postseason, not just be the best player on his team at some point and I think when you look at this list as well you kind of outline how a lot of these players carry their teams with the exception of probably Bam Adebayo and even of course Donovan Mitchell with just the insane amount of talent that Utah has this season and I wonder if that has any bearing on the rankings because we've seen with the talent that's around the mellow here in Charlotte that he doesn't have to carry the team every night he has a bad shooting night he just passes a little bit more and and it goes on and on and on I mean Terry Rozier's been stepping up and of course Malik Monk the other night in Phoenix scoring you know 20 plus points coming off the bench so he doesn't have to do it every night like some of these other guys do like Gilgis Alexander he had to have 42 points in a career high the other night just to beat San Antonio on his own. So I think with LaMelo, it's kind of, I don't want to say it hinders him in this rankings, but we haven't seen what he's had to do night in and night out like Luka Doncic has had to do with that. Well, different players are going to dominate the game in different ways. You know, Chris Paul is a great example from the other night with Phoenix. I don't think any point in his career he has necessarily been a 30-point-per-game type of guy, but his teams are always better for having him on them, and he's the ultimate point guard, and that's more of the mold I think we see LaMelo Ball in, you know, less of the Trey Young, I need to have 30 points because, you know, my team relies on me for that. LaMelo can score 30 points, and he has already scored 30 points in an NBA game, but the team is best when he is that ultimate distributor and just keeping the whole offense running efficiently. But ultimately, I think this list was very encouraging. I agree that LaMelo Ball is, you know, right in that tier 1B, I would say. 1A, I think, belongs to guys like Doncic and Tatum, and I would put Donovan Mitchell there as well. Guys who are on teams that have gone on playoff runs, who have already been the featured player on those teams. I think that deserves the respect that that kind of accomplishment demands. But right behind them would be LaMelo in this group of players who either have not quite yet had an opportunity to show they can lead their team into the playoffs or have gotten very close at this point and are still considered faces of franchises like maybe a De'Aaron Fox would fall into that category. But LaMelo, he's in very good company in at number eight. If you have any thoughts on where he falls in the rankings, feel free to shoot us a tweet at Sam Farber Live for me personally or at the Hornets. Love to talk to all the fans about LaMelo Ball. He is certainly a fan favorite. When we continue, we're going to talk about Real Access. The latest episode is dropped on Hornets.com. We'll break it down for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Hornets Hivecast continues. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you. Rob, the latest edition of Real Access has come out on Hornets.com. It's a behind-the-scenes look with the Hornets giving fans an unprecedented 
look and access to the team in this time where we unfortunately have not been able to have fans with us just yet, although as we talked about on the podcast yesterday, uh, that day is fast approaching. But this latest episode went over the latest break due to health and safety protocols. You might recall, feels like both yesterday and several months ago, San Antonio came to town. Uh, they played the Hornets and then basically immediately after had several players test positive for COVID-19. And because of that, they went into the protocols. So did the Hornets. And then the first game back was the Golden State game. So this episode takes us through that entire time period. You know, a lot of fun moments seeing the team trying to stay loose in the locker room as they get ready for games. There's just a general joy to them. And also giving that behind-the-scenes look at the immediate aftermath from that win over Golden State. What stood out to you? So I guess we can kind of go in chronological order of the episode. The, the one thing I really found interesting was... Devontae Graham talking about his development and how he had to kind of alter his playing style when he first came to Charlotte, where he wasn't used to coming off a screen and and creating a dribble or two to to hit a three-point shot. And he's kind of altered it, and so far, so good. I mean, obviously, we wish that we could see him in action a little bit more recently as he continues to nurse that knee injury, but hopefully we get to see him return soon. And the other thing that Devontae talked about was the momentum moving forward from last year that the Hornets had the last couple weeks of the season before the league in the world, in a sense, had to hit the pause button and how him and a lot of the returning players looked to last year and how that team started to develop the last couple weeks of the season and kind of created that and said, this is what we need to do moving forward to this season. And I thought that was really interesting because when you have that mindset and then you add a guy like LaMelo through the draft and you add a free agent like Gordon Hayward, then it just kind of creates endless opportunities for this team. Yeah, I think this squad has really taken a step forward. And you know, I was looking at it earlier today, the projections preseason for win totals compared to where the teams are percentage-wise right now. And Charlotte, preseason by most of the experts, 538, several different sites, were somewhere around that 24 to 25 win area. And right now, they're on pace for somewhere around, you know, somewhere in the low 30s, basically. Roughly 10-win improvement over what the original guess was. There's only one team that at this point is that far ahead of the pace that was set by the preseason prognostications. I'll put you on the spot, Rob. Who do you think it is? Common sense would tell me Utah, probably. You're right. It's the Utah Jazz. You know, I think this is a factor, you know, for a lot of different things. The one for me personally that I think it most telling for is coach of the year, because I think, you know, preseason predictions, they tend to give you a sense of where most of the league thinks you are. And so if most of the league thought that the Hornets were about a 20 low twenties win total team and they end up in the low to mid thirties, you know, that's a significant step up. Now, if Utah keeps going at this type of pace, you know, Quinn Snyder is going to and should win coach of the year. But I think there's certainly some deserved attention to go to James Borrego and his staff for the accomplishment they've had over the course of this season so far. And if he gets the team into the playoffs, I think he definitely merits serious consideration for the award. That's a really good point. And I think a lot of what the experts were thinking from the outside in the national media could think, well, is Gordon Hayward going to be able to return to his all-star form? And not only has he returned to his all-star form, he's been playing almost a little bit better than when he was a all-star in Utah a couple of years ago. And then you had a guy like LaMelo Ball, where a lot of people say, 
well, he didn't shoot the ball very well from beyond the arc when he was in Australia last year. He only shot, you know, 25, 26%, but his three point shooting has gotten a lot better, obviously from then and now. And he's just been a huge difference maker. And I don't think a lot of people in the national media thought of that was going to be the case. They, I don't want to say they wrote LaMelo off before the draft, but they didn't think that he was the best person available, even at that number three spot. I think the preseason trepidation was a bit over the top, but I don't think it was entirely unfounded. It's not as if there were no questions about LaMelo Ball or Gordon Hayward coming into the season in terms of their ability to directly impact a franchise. That said, I thought the win total predictions were low to begin with, but it's fun to see the Hornets exceeding them, and it's really fun to see this behind-the-scenes look via real access, just see the camaraderie that's built between LaMelo and so many different teammates, the joy they have in practice, them racing through the bowels of Spectrum Center to get to the practice court or whatnot, and also to see a little bit about you know what was really going on. We felt it being in the arena for that game where you know basically 30 minutes before tip, it's you know here's the ball, go out and play. I believe that was that the Washington one or maybe right after that game. But in any case, it's just interesting to see what the players were actually going through from their perspective and hear their voices definitely recommended for everyone out there go to hornets.com check it out real access episode four look back through the previous ones as well and many many more to come throughout this 2020 2021 season which continues tonight the hornets are up very late for fans at home in the queen city as they'll take on the golden state warriors a 10 p.m tip-off and we'll start getting into that matchup in just a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you as we prepare for Hornets versus the Golden State Warriors. Charlotte has traveled to Silicon Valley. And, you know, one other part of Real Access, Rob, was the tech-savvy nature of the Hornets and their young players. And also we've heard some stories about how the Hornets have used a technological approach to challenges and how they decide the percentage of benefits to the team to challenge at a particular moment. We really saw that come to fruition in the Phoenix game. Sometimes you challenge because you got to have your players back, and I am still shocked that the Hornets were unsuccessful and that the league upheld the call that apparently Gordon Hayward's jaw fouled Devin Booker's elbow on a follow-through, but, you know, that's just my opinion. But, you know, Phoenix, because of the timing that they had used their challenge earlier in the game, even though they won their challenge, they didn't have one in the final seconds for what was deemed in the aftermath in that two-minute report to be a foul on Gordon Hayward. If they had the challenge, they could have thrown it out there and maybe changed the end of the game. They would have had to make three free throws, of course, but they could have sent things into overtime, and who knows what happens there, but the Hornets using technology there. So there's a long way of saying technology has been featured in a couple of ways for the Hornets this year. One of the things that I liked about the real access aspect of the episode that just aired the other day was how this team is so young and you brought up the point that because they're young i mean they've grown up with this technology that's been kind of ingrained in their dna communication wise in a sense it's just how 
younger people communicate now. It's not, you know, pen and paper anymore sending smoke signals. It's sending out a tweet or a text or a DM, and that's how you communicate these days. So I thought it was interesting that being a young team right now during a pandemic where in the past 11 months we've all had to change how we communicate and interact as a society, that they're almost at an advantage to maybe some of these older veteran teams and things like that. And it got me to thinking – who would be the least tech savvy out of all of the Hornets players on the roster? And I have one. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I have an uh, inkling if you wanted to guess on that as well. Oh, I'll, I'll let you dive head first into this pool if you want to go. Yeah, sure. So this, of course, is no offense, but I'm going to go with Cody Zeller. Just something about him being a you know good old Midwestern boy. I would not be surprised if he still had a flip phone. You're thinking Cody Zeller has a flip All right. Well, well, I'm going to investigate this. We'll have to find out. These answers can be had, so we'll check it out. By the way, fans, if you have any questions, we're approaching the All-Star break. We'll be looking to answer some of your questions. So, again, feel free to send them to us via the Hornets social media account. Uh, questions for the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets taking on the Golden State Warriors tonight. The first game, you might recall, was very exciting also was very frustrating for the first, oh, 45 minutes of it. Charlotte didn't play well at all. They turned the ball over 25 times. Uh, it was ugly, and they did have the benefit of the fact that Golden State, normally much more efficient offensive team with Steph Curry, uh, sadly did not have him for that game, and it really mucked up the rest of their offense. They were you know stuck in the mud. The Hornets oftentimes just couldn't get shots off because they were turning the ball over so much. But in the end, they had an opportunity and were able to take advantage of it. That very chaotic scene with multiple jump balls. The first one, a great tie-up by LaMelo Ball to earn the first jump. And then the second one, good heads-up play by P.J. Washington to call for timeout. I thought that the timeout was correctly granted once you see the replays and how the mechanics of everything worked. I'm not saying that Draymond Green didn't have an argument. He certainly did, but I think it was officiated correctly, and there's no justification for Draymond Green absolutely melting down, and he's admitted that since then. But the Hornets were the benefactors. They made both free throws to tie, and then Terry Rozier, of course, the game winner. Now it's time for round two, and while I think Golden State is going to certainly have the benefit of Seeking some revenge, they'll have that momentum on their side. Draymond Green will, of course, want to play well. Steph Curry, no reason to think he won't be out there. He's played since that game, so he'll, of course, be looking to lead his team in this one. But I think Charlotte can't help but expect to play better than they did in that last game. They had gone six days without a contest, most of that time without practice either. They were rusty. They looked rusty. Now coming off the win over Phoenix, they look much better. I expect to see a very good competitive basketball game, and Hornets will be hoping to take two in a row against two Western Conference playoff teams. And one more thing to go back at Real Access. In the footage on Real Access, you can tell on that jump ball that as soon as Gordon gets that ball, P.J. Washington is calling for a timeout. So I am 100% with you that P.J. Washington was granted the timeout, and it shouldn't be an issue. I agree that Draymond does have an argument, but when you look at that angle and you see P.J. calling timeout right away, I think a lot of the confusion in that moment was that James Lurie was trying to call the timeout. But either way, let's get into the preview a little bit more. And the more and more I look at the way that these two teams will potentially line up, the more and more I like it to favor Charlotte. And I think you saw that a little bit last week with the size, because the size that the Warriors have in comparison to the Hornets, it's pretty similar. And 
for once this season, because it doesn't happen very often, Bed City might even have a slight height advantage at the end of the day. The problem here is we haven't had an injury update on Cody Zeller yet, and that's going to be a big factor, I think, because, of course, give credit to, to Bismack Biombo for coming in Wednesday night in Phoenix, getting the job done in extended minutes that he hasn't seen since the beginning of the year. Played absolutely great basketball. He pulled down eight rebounds. Didn't really do a lot scoring-wise, but he was just great defensively as well. Had a couple of blocks. And it's always nice to have that depth, especially at the front court as well. So hopefully with Cody Zeller in there, that gives you a little bit added protection in the paint. And that's going to allow Charlotte to be a little bit more aggressive when defending the three, which is what you're going to have to do against a guy like Steph Curry. Because, I mean, in his world, the three-point arc is almost an insult because he can just chuck it up from anywhere on the court. The flip side of the height argument for you, Rob, is that James Wiseman as well as Kevon Looney are expected to be playing. Of course, nothing is guaranteed, as we learned with Steph Curry going out due to uh, illness right before tip-off. He was announced on the starting lineups. Everything looked good to go, and then suddenly he wasn't. So everyone in that respect is day-to-day, but there's no reason to anticipate that the Warriors' bigs won't be available. But it's a team that has revolutionized the game with their willingness and want to play small. I think they are starting to transition away from that. You wouldn't draft Wiseman number two if you weren't looking to take advantage of a little bit more height out there on the floor, and he is a unique talent. There's no question about that. But it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. We'll for sure be keeping an eye on the inactive report pregame and have all of the answers for you that we can muster on the pregame show, which starts at 9 p.m. tonight on our flagship WFNZ. And then tip again is set for 10. Should be a fun one as the Hornets take on the Golden State Warriors looking to sweep the season series. Would be quite the accomplishment considering this is not the Warriors team from a year ago where literally every one of consequence was out due to injury. They've got most of their stars back, not all, but most, and the Hornets could certainly use this W as they try and get back to 500. Rob, thanks again for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast. We'll see you very late tonight for your production duties. Yep, sounds good. We'll talk you through it we'll get you through it don't forget to put on your pot of coffee and keep the nightlight on as well yeah i'm going i'm going double energy drink tonight i think oh boy look out could be a double should be a lot of fun again make sure you tune in on the hornets radio network or on the hornets mobile app and of course on our flagship station wfnz that's going to do it for this episode of the hornets hivecast thanks again to rob longo and to all of you for tuning in make sure to join us tomorrow as we'll be breaking down this contest tonight against the golden state warriors Till then, for everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us on the HHC and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.